Hello everyone and welcome to the Divorce Dad Diaries and I'm your host Stéphane Jutra. Welcome back to another episode of the Divorce Dad Diaries. I hope everybody's doing well. Summer has started, the nice and longer days are actually happening now, so that's great. It makes it a bit more enjoyable, even if for some uh, the summer is uh, also a busier time since kids are finishing school and I guess they'll spend more time at home or doing a million activities. So parents have to kind of manage the activities and work and kind of drive around uh, at a day camp or summer camp or whatever camp they're registered to for this for the summer. So yeah, it's always a, a fun time when the classes end, especially when your kids are younger. It adds a little bit of uh, of challenges during the summer to make sure everything fits and uh, to kind of manage work and vacations. Even some parents say that uh, their vacation actually end at that point. I guess uh, <laughs> with all the activities that have to be done and everything that have to be done at home and having the kids there full time, yeah, it's not much of a vacation. That said, I hope you'll be able this summer to enjoy time with your kids and uh, able to spend some quality time and get some vacations as well to enjoy that. And hopefully everything goes well. So it's been a busy past couple of weeks, as always. I always seem to say in every beginning of my podcast, and then I'm not just uh, saying it, I guess uh, it's kind of a constant. And maybe I shouldn't mention it and just an assumption that it is, but as I said, uh, next week, I'm uh, going on a big uh, European vacation with the family, and that should be very interesting. So uh, it will be a, a lot of fun. And uh, But at the same time, it's always, you know, always a question of timing because I am actually uh, moving and changing apartment as well. Um, so luckily, I have a month uh, overlap between the apartment I'm in now and the new apartment. So whenever I come back from Europe, I'll be able to manage that and I'll have like two to three weeks at least, uh, you know, transition between the old place and the new place. Yeah. So basically I decided to move because, uh, for a few reasons, but it kind of opened up some thought about move versus buying a new place and also about, you know, the divorce agreement. And for some reason I was sitting down, it kind of brought me back to the first couple I would say months when uh, we started to discuss about going through the divorce uh, myself and my ex and trying to write down what we would do and how we would split things in the agreement. I know a lot of you and I've been getting emails and been also reading a lot of different stories about uh, you know the divorce and that time with your partner when it's time to kind of put things in the agreement. Uh, there's a lot of ways that can be that can be going. I mean, you know, you can be very amicable and do everything split equally and do everything as peaceful as you can, which is obviously the best part. But um, I find it doesn't happen that often and often there's conflicts in between and there's always one side that wants more than the other. And yeah, it never seems to be equally divided if you want. And obviously this is always based on everyone's point of view. So, you know, have my point of view. I'm sure my ex has her point of view and I'm sure everybody out there had a point of view. But it's something to think about. So why I'm bringing that is because I'm renting this new place. But initially I wanted to buy a place because, you know, at this point in my life, having a, 
my company, a great job, contracts doing very well. I managed to get a decent size of money on the side to pay for the deposit of the, you know, for a new place. So, you know, everything is going well. And, and so basically I said, you know what, I think it's time to buy a, a place and a permanent place because, I mean, we've been staying here for this apartment for about six years. And the funny thing is initially, I remember telling the kids, you know, just temporary, we'll stay a year or two and, and we'll, fi- we'll find a place. And well, that didn't really go as planned. But at the same time, we, we had a great place here. I can't complain. But there's always the thing about it's not really, you know, your house. You can't really do whatever you want. And there's always this feeling that, yeah, we'll have to move one day. So that's why I wanted to um, this year kind of try to find a place at the beginning of the year and, and see if I could buy something. So um, people would think, yeah, I didn't buy. I mean, there's a different reason. I guess why Deanna didn't buy, but I guess there's one reason I couldn't do much was basically uh, going through the bank and getting approved for a mortgage. It's really weird because again, I have a good job. I think I have very good salary. And like I said, put money on the side. And when I went to the bank or banks or even uh, mortgage brokers and things like that, the first thing they do is they take your numbers and put that in a tool and see what what you can afford. Well, the thing that maybe we don't really think about is the child support is not, but the spousal support is actually considered as a debt. So the higher the the spousal support you have, well, it counts in in the calculation in there. So that's one thing you don't always think about when you kind of write up the divorce agreement and both sides. And again, there's a lot of emotions at that time. And maybe, maybe you kind of think about it, but nobody cares at that point. But it's something that will affect you as well many, many years after it's signed. Like I said, for my uh, agreement, it was basically up for six years. So when I went to the bank and they basically asked for the paper, everything was good, credit score, you know, the money for the the actual deposit, uh, yeah, deposit for the house and, and all this stuff, everything was good. But when they put the calculation of the, the salary versus debt ratio, that's where there was a problem because what I'm paying every month to my ex is quite high and this is considered a debt. So when they put that in the formula, it basically comes out and say, oh, you're basically above the threshold for us to lend you money. And at that point, even if you come up with reasons saying, well, I get, for me, there's a bit about two years left or, you know what, at my apartment I'm renting now, the rent is pretty much a mortgage payment and I've been fine the past years and things like that. On their side, they often just put that in a formula. And again, they know that's an amount you have to pay every, every month. And on our side here, the spousal support is tax deductible at the end of the year. But even that, they don't really seem to consider that at the end, really, because you kind of have to still bring up uh, that money up front. And since I'm a business owner, if I was like an employee, there might be some things that I could do with the government instead of paying, you know, getting the refund on the tax break. Uh, At the end of the year, I could ask them to basically adjust my salary and take it every paycheck. So it would make the payment smaller. But in my case, as a business owner, I can't really do that. So what I do is I pay what I have to pay every month. And when I do my tax at the end of the year, it's kind of uh, deducted at that point. All that to say that 
I couldn't really do much about buying a house. So that's where I decided to go to option two and just rent. So I will be renting this place, which it's an upgrade from what I have. And really funny thing is, is again, my rent is probably higher, much higher than what I would pay monthly in a mortgage, but I, I can rent and there's no problem there. So that, that that's what doesn't make sense. But on my side for the next two years, I said, you know what, I'll kind of uh, spoil myself and, and the kids and try to get an, a nice place on that front. So that's why I did that. So I decided to talk about that on this episode just because, like I said, sometimes it's not something you think about. And uh, I sat down when that happened and I'm like, you know what, I'm actually in a very good position in my life and I have not really an issue, but still I can't really get a mortgage. So I was thinking... I put myself in dads, or sometimes might be moms as well, but dads that actually have to pay a spousal support for 10, 15 years, and sometimes like the rest of their uh, the rest of their lives. I mean, it happens depending how long you've been married. It becomes almost impossible to get credit or to buy a house, which is very sad. I mean, how how can people do that after once they have to pay the spousal support and the child support? And that's something very sad because, I mean, like I said, you can have a very, very good job. And even that, you, you can't really get, get that money and get that place or even kind of live your life like you were living before. I would say, I mean, my personal opinion, obviously, and a lot of people could say it's not fair because when you go through the divorce initially and you, you talk about the divorce agreement, the first thing that they say is, you know, both spouses, and that's why often they assign or decide, you know, of the amount for the, the ex, the ex-wife or the ex-husband is basically here at least is you should be able to kind of maintain, maintain a similar uh, life that you had before, which again, that's maybe another topic in which I find a little bit ridiculous as well. It's like we divorce, we basically split everything 50, 50 and uh, well, if both people work, I mean, you kind of, make it equal. If one person doesn't work, I agree that that person should have 50% or some money for them. But at the same time, what I often see is the person paying is really in a disadvantage for that. And like I said, I just have to take my example where my ex-wife basically is her second house that she bought. And she bought one, sold and bought another one and had no issues without having a job or anything. And for me, I have my business, I make a very good salary and, you know, I've always been working and credit is great and everything and I can't buy a house. So that's kind of a bit weird and uh, something to think about. So what brought that to me is that goes way back to the divorce agreement and what was decided. And at the time, maybe it's something you don't think much about and maybe it's something to be aware. So if any of you dads out there or moms are going through that and writing that down as really angry as you can be with your partner or your ex-wife or husband I think it's something to take in, into consideration just to see that the impact that it has I mean the financial impact now and also the financial impact in the future and some might say well, you know what I don't care I'll get all the money I can and my husband can deal with that it's not my problem well, that's where it kind of becomes a problem and maybe something that we don't always think about is, well, at the end of the day, obviously it affects the husband, but if your kids are 50-50, it will affect your kids as well. 
because they'll be staying in an apartment. Well, maybe you stay in a house, but the 50% of their time they're staying in an apartment because there's no way that the dad can get uh, a permanent place. And we talk about the housing. And obviously, like I said, for me, I could, for example, I could live in a tiny apartment. It's not a problem. I'm not necessarily looking for luxurious uh, anything, but you know, it's nice to have a place where the kids can call home and just know that we'll stay there and as long as we can. That makes a big difference. And it was something that was mentioned by the kids too. My son wanted to paint his room and do this, do this, do that. But at the same time, he's like, well, if we're not to stay here for a long time, I mean, why would I do that, right? And he has a good point. I mean, and even on my side, you come and you get an apartment and you buy furniture and things like that, or you, you do whatever, but you can't really do what you want. And you're kind of a bit limited on that front. And uh, I'm talking about apartment, I'm talking about that thing, but like I said, the agreement, also you have to keep in mind that it affects the kids. I mean, at other level as well, and I think I mentioned that in other episodes, when I talk about money, if most of my salary goes to spousal support and child support, and it's fine. Uh, I mean, I can live on eating toast every day and, uh, and just drinking water, I guess. But when you have your kids, 50% of the time, you still have to have enough to basically feed them decent food and everything else. So, uh, and uh, buying clothes and even Christmas, uh, birthdays and things like that, right? So you still have to be able to do all those things. And that becomes a bit obviously difficult if, again, a lot of your salary goes on that side. Like I said, as, as a, I guess, the ex-partner, you might think, well, I don't care. I'll just get whatever I want and I deserve it. And maybe, maybe that's the case. But I think what I would just suggest and anybody going through that and either dads or moms is to think about the kids too and think about the impact that it has the bigger impact than just being angry at your husband, uh, at your wife, and just thinking about the extent of what you're asking and what you're writing down in those agreements. And a lot of people are fighting in court to get what they think their fair share, but I think that's one thing that they don't think often about. For example, even uh, the divorce, like the lawyer costs, is a lot of money. And when you think about it, it's like, you know what, would I rather spend 50K on divorce lawyers or 50k on whatever else you can find you can spend it even 50 divided by two 25 25k like you can have a vacation you can buy a place you can do whatever with it and even if you want put in a trust fund for kids and that's something uh, that was kind of suggested at one point by my lawyer and when we were to negotiations and kind of asking for a lot of money and that was brought up as well saying well maybe having a trust, the money you want, maybe we can put in a trust for the kids for later. So that could also be an option so that they can be put there. But bottom line, what I'm trying to say is that often you might not think much more further than, you know, the money you get from your ex and what you want to get and you want to get as much and what you deserve. But I think it's really helpful to think about your kids that spend 50% of the time with the other parent and how their lives will be impacted, right? Same the opposite. I mean, there's some that's like the wife doesn't work and uh, it goes both ways, right? Well, that's what I'm trying to say. Like might be an example, like the wife doesn't work and doesn't have much money. And obviously the kids spend 50% of the time there. I think it's just fair that the money or whatever is decided in the agreement makes it easier for her 
and the kids at the end of the day. I know it's difficult. I mean, I've been through it and it's kind of difficult thinking past <laughs> the anger and the demands that are put in the, the papers and the fighting and you want to win, I guess. And a lot of people like at the end of the day, they just want to win. But I think definitely it's something to keep in mind. So that's it, just to summarize. Like I said, there's a few things that might open your eyes when you think about all the money you want to get from your uh, from your ex and basically leave him in the street. Well, like I said before, right? It impacts the kids. I can eat nothing all day, but not the kids. And again, I can stay home and just watch TV all the time. But I mean, kids should be ideally not doing that and doing some activities and with both parents. And again, I could have a little small place just I live there. But at the same time, you know, we might be in a situation where at the dads, the kids live in a, in a small apartment and uh, even share a bedroom. And, but when they go to the moms, they live in the house. Or it could be the opposite. Like I said, I, I don't want to say that it's always one side because I've seen and uh, I've seen it both sides. So, but that's something to, uh, to keep in mind. Like I said, the long term. Let's think about long term and when the anger wears off a little bit, hopefully at some point, the impact that it adds. So just thought that uh, this would make a little uh, episode to think about all this. Since I'm moving, kind of brought up uh, some memories from initial agreement and also some challenges, which uh, I wasn't aware of. So I thought, you know what, I'll share that with you all. And hopefully it's useful. I know if I had known that or if I'd maybe thought about that earlier, it would have made a difference. I mean, I thought about the credit score, obviously, you know, some people fight and, oh, uh, I'm not paying this or there's checks bouncing or the mortgage or whatever is bouncing. And I guess at the end of the day, people don't care because they have a, a joint account and everybody thinks the other one will be affected. So your credit score gets affected and you know, well, okay, I'll wait like four, five, six, seven years and, and my credit score will get back. But on top of that, you might have a great credit score, but uh, there's also a bit more to think about uh, how much you pay the other person and, and that impacts uh, how your life will go after. So that's it. That's what I wanted to share this week. And I hope you all have a great week and a great time and start enjoying your summer. And as always, if ever you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach me on thedivorcedaddiaries.com. You can send me an email at thedivorcedaddiaries at gmail.com. You can also go on Instagram, on Facebook. You can reach me pretty much through all the social platforms. And also, if you want, if you don't mind subscribing to the podcast, I'm also on all the, the platforms out there. There's always new ones coming out every week, it seems. But uh, yeah, you should be able to find me uh, on your favorite podcast platform. So please, uh, if you want to subscribe that way, you know when there's a new episode that drops and I automatically get a notification. If you ever have a few seconds, I never say no to some comments. <laughs> I always appreciate it. So thank you again for the, those people that left some as well. So have a good week and we'll talk very soon. Take care.